Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sometimes you just have to agree to disagree. This is The Roy Green Show. I had someone helping me keep calm. There was a girl in there having a very, very, very loud panic attack. <laughs> um, but it was quiet for, after the shots for a really long time, and nothing happened. Hmm. So another teen loader, another bullied teen, another school shooting. Again, families are going to mourn their children. And is there someone somewhere right now Another bullied loner fantasizing about getting even and taking lives. And would it be fair to suggest the teens who commit mass murder are motivated to use firearms more by the constant use of guns in movies, television shows, and games than uh, guns being owned by everyday people who don't resolve issues with a firearm? Dr. Frank Farley is a psychologist and L.H. Carnell Professor at Temple University. He's a former president of the American Psychological Association, and his specialties include extreme behavior. And Frank, I had, a, I had an awful feeling when you and I talked about the mass murder in Florida that we'd be talking again soon, and here we are. It is entirely predictable, and in the... Uh, <clears throat> Since January 1 of this year, we've had more deaths by school shootings than we've ever had in the United States. Is it because, is it more because uh, young people, when they're being entertained, and maybe it's the loners who are being picked on and who are, who are bullied, who fantasize about getting even, um, is it because they are exposed or expose themselves to guns being used in movies, television, and uh, the games they play. So that becomes the default tool that they, that they head for. I'm just asking questions, Frank. Well, <clears throat> I wish I was giving answers <laughs> that were definitive. It's hard, isn't it? But we have many more questions than answers. But, yes, uh, we are a violence-infused culture. Uh, gun is the tool of choice in American violence, and it's everywhere. Uh, just as an exercise one day, I sort of ran the channels on television, and the number of times that a hand came up with a gun in it was astounding. A recent experiment is sort of instructive here. A fellow named Brad Bushman, who's a professor at Ohio State, did an interesting study. Now, it needs to be repeated, you know, and replicated and so on, but it was pretty provocative. He showed films to uh, kindergartners, and um, half of them, there, and half of, the, half of the kids were exposed to films with guns and the use of guns and violence and so on. The other half of the kids were not, and the movies that they saw had none of that gun violence. 
he then, after the kids saw these films, they were turned loose in a uh, kind of playroom. And in the playroom were a whole range of toys and things to play with, including guns. He was able to use actual guns, of course, no bullets in them, but he was able to record uh, from the gun who picked up the weapon and what they did with it. And what he found was that the kids who'd been exposed to the movies, the films with gun violence in them, were significantly more frequently picking up guns and playing with them, and a key thing was pointing them at other kids. So, you know, it's just one study. It's done by a very uh, creative uh, guy, Brad Bushman, I know Brad, and um, it's provocative. It really suggests, you know, that we need to know more, we need to do more research on the earliest stages of uh, de the development of aggression and violence. But um, there's something we call the, um, the weapons effect. It goes way back to the 1950s. And um, what the weapons effect is that sometimes the mere presence of a weapon potentiates aggression. So, you know, if you get in an argument and there just happens to be a gun somewhere in the vicinity, the mere presence of it may make the arguments much more aggressive. Mm -hmm. So that's another fact. Can you hold that thought? Uh, yes. I, I have to take a break. We'll come back more with Dr. Farley and ask about about this. And I remember when you know when I was a kid, we got we got toy guns, cap pistols, cap guns. We got uh, all sorts of guns as toys. But I remember my dad always, and he was uh, a war veteran. My dad always made it a point to explain what what guns were, and the playing with them was one thing. And then he would he would always make the point about guns, what they were and what they, what they meant. So I got it at an early age. These kids, maybe not. We'll come back and we'll talk more with Dr. Farley about, about what's going on. Don't go away. He's always up for a good debate. This is The Roy Green Show. We will assemble all stakeholders uh, to begin to work immediately on swift solutions to prevent tragedies like this from ever happening again. Well, you have to do that. There's the uh, governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, who also said um, that um, the individual who is, who's been arrested, 17 years old, and uh, I have his name here, Demetrios uh, uh Abbott says uh, that Pakurtzis had information in journals, on his computer, and on phones that indicated he wanted to commit the shooting and take his own life afterward. And then the governor said the suspect, quote, gave himself up and told authorities that he did not have the courage to take his own life, although he took many others. Dr. Frank Farley is with me, psychologist, L.H. Carnell professor at Temple University, former president of the American Psychological Association, 
And as I said earlier, his specialties include extreme behavior. Uh, Dr. Farley is uh, from Alberta, was born and raised in Edmonton. Frank, um, when the governor says we're going to assemble all stakeholders and try to make sure this kind of thing doesn't happen again, I don't know what he's going to do. And it's interesting. I received an email from a listener a few minutes ago. And let me see if I can just uh, bring it up here. And, uh, yeah, this is from uh, Brett. Roy, please explain to me, or have someone that could, why we don't have mental health money. We build wheelchair ramps and automatic doors everywhere for the physically sick. But it seems as though we don't give a hoot about mental health. Is it only me that sees this? Um, I think it's fairly recent that we've been focusing significantly on mental health, but are the resources in place? Are there enough expert people in place to recognize when someone poses a very serious threat to uh, to people as, as this 17-year-old clearly must have been indicating something? Is there is there anything in place to to, to red flag situations like this? Uh, not much. Uh, it, there's a serious problem with the whole red flag idea, mm-hmm. in my view. Okay. Which is, it's, you know, always looking backward, digging around. I call it red flag archaeology. We're digging around in the past of the person and trying to figure out why they did it. And that's a very long-term solution. It takes years and years to build up a sufficiently valid science of predicting extreme violence of this type, and we're not even close to it at this moment. Mental health is clearly involved, in my opinion, in all of this. In mass shootings, serial killings, school shootings are a special form of mental illness, in my judgment, but it's not a form of mental illness that we know very much about. I don't believe it's captured in the standard diagnostic labels that we use every day in psychology and psychiatry. Uh, These people are a very special breed, if you will, and we don't understand enough of them. Most of them end up dead by their own hand or by the hand of the police. And so there are a few who survive. This kid is one. Uh, the Parkland shooting in Florida of, uh, of last February is another one, and we can study them, but we don't have many that have been studied. And so invoking mental illness and mental health, in a sense, lays a stigma upon people who, who are mentally ill, who would never kill a fly, but might you know, be viewed in a very negative and, and fearful way mm-hmm. that, oh, my gosh, maybe they could become a school shooter. Well, you sent me an email and you uh, you wrote there are two ways of preventing school shootings. One is proximal prevention and the other is distal prevention. What are they? Proximal prevention, in my opinion, is key at this moment in the United States, which is you... It's up close and approximate. It's, it's, it's in proximity, I should say, to the situation. In other words, harden the site. Protect the school. And um, how do you do that? Well, you do it the way that we protect courthouses, 
the way that we protect all the legislatures of the land. We have metal detectors at every entrance and an armed guard. And uh, that has had an amazing effect on courthouses. There's very little violence anymore in, in courthouses because they have this proximal prevention going on. Uh, legislatures across the land are, pre, we're, you know, we're protecting the, the politicians. And uh, we shouldn't be doing any more for the politicians than we would be doing for our children. And it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Every door that is usable in a school is protected. It's hardened. There is a metal detector. No one gets into the school without going through it. And there is an armed guard there who knows his, his or her business. This kid uh, in this current shooting in Texas got into the school wearing a trench coat under which he was hiding a shotgun and a bunch of uh, ammo as well as a pistol. Now, that's, imp- that's just an impossible situation. You can't have that in schools. Mm-hmm. So... That's proximal prevention. You so what's, what's, to, what's, the, what's distal prevention then? Distal prevention is this whole red flag idea, the idea that you, you look into the background, you look for predictive possibilities. The kid posts something on social media. In, in this kid's case, he, he posted a T-shirt that said, Born to Kill, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, early mental problems, early problems with the police things that are a distant, quite some distant from the actual event. All right, so let me ask you this, and uh, we have about two minutes. When I was in high school, we used to talk about American schools that had um, metal detectors, because some of the schools had metal detectors, and we said, how bizarre to live in an environment where you have to have metal detectors at your schools or where you have to lock the school doors where nobody can come in where you have to identify yourself before you can get into school. That was never even the thought of, of, of this kind of activity taking place. And I can't remember it happening. It might have, but I can't remember it happening during my school years. What has fundamentally changed in society? If it has. Well, I think that we're more aware of violence and for some reason schools have become a favored target. Uh, there's one of the reasons is, you know, there's a lot of people there mm-hmm. and, uh, and, um, and maybe they're so, the bullies who you feel victimized by. Indeed. Yes. And so it's a 21st century thing. We got to get with it and, uh, we cannot have shootings in schools. And in my opinion, it is not rocket science to harden the site and stop the killings in the schools. Makes sense. No killer should be able to get in the school and it's not rocket science to arrange for that. Okay. And that's Doc- where we should start, at least in the United States. I don't think it's a Canadian problem. Well, we've had school shootings here as well. So it's, yes. uh, it's an issue. And we, it's one, something, that we, something we can't take for granted anywhere anymore because the information age is so extensive that if it happens in the United States now, two seconds from now, it's going to be known around the world. Dr. Farley, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time, Frank. You're welcome, Roy. Dr. Frank Farley. When we come back, Michelle Rempel will be with us, the immigration critic for the Conservative Party of Canada, on the border issue. I understand there has been, I don't know what the details are, but I understand there has been some violence at uh, 
the Roxham Road border this afternoon. At least I received an email about that. Uh, We'll talk to Michelle about the border issues. And there's one person in this country who is responsible for what happens at the border. One person, the buck stops, and the desk, or at the desk, or on the desk, or under the desk, of the Prime Minister of Canada, it's his responsibility. Justin Trudeau is responsible for what happens at the borders. So far, he's done nothing. Nothing of any real value. Nothing. We'll come back.